When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. I'm Dan Lobby. You'll hear from Mary Kay Cabot and Ashley Bastock later in the pod. Today, we honor Joe Thomas, the first ballot Hall of Famer who will be inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame on August 5th. You know, if you didn't know any better, you would think Joe Thomas spent his entire life in Northeast Ohio, probably born in Parma. Clearly, this is a man who grew up going to high school football games at Byersfield, whose parents knew their way around the West Side Market, or whose dad listened to the buzzard while he worked in the garage. This is a man who still calls it Jacob's Field. Thomas, of course, was not born and raised in Cleveland. No, he's a Wisconsinite through and through, ultimately honing his craft at the offensive line factory in Madison, a little over an hour west of where he was born in Brookfield. But from the moment the Browns drafted him in 2007, he just fit in. He won fans over when he famously went fishing instead of attending the draft. Then, in one of the most Cleveland as a blue-collar working-class city moves ever, He proceeded to show up to work every day, no matter what, for the next 11 years, playing 10,363 consecutive offensive snaps. It's one of the main reasons Thomas will be enshrined in the Pro Football Hall of Fame in August, which, had he been born in Northeast Ohio, he certainly would have visited as a child. It was the consistency, that consistency, I think, that was most endearing to Browns fans. Thomas arrived here in 2007, and the team went 10-6, and barely missing the playoffs. It was the last time Thomas experienced a winning season. From 2008 on, Joe played just 10 games. That's right, he played in just 10 games when the Browns' record was above 500. Eight of those came in 2014, including the last one, which fittingly was Johnny Manziel's first career start. He played for more head coaches, more offensive coordinators, and with more starting quarterbacks than should be allowed under the Geneva Conventions. And still... Thomas kept showing up day after day, game after game, snap after snap, refusing to leave the field, even in instances of a rare blowout victory, like in 2014 when he sent some guy named Vincent Painter back to the sideline after Mike Penton sent Painter in to try and relieve Thomas. He didn't practice much towards the end of his career, and he was a staple on the team's daily injury report but he still played every snap and did it at a high level until something in his body finally broke enough to take him off the field. The shock of seeing Thomas on the ground against the Titans after tearing his triceps on October 22nd, 2017 is still palpable. This streak was not for show. When he left the game, he was still one of the best at his position. 
connoisseurs of offensive line play could probably explain why Thomas was so great. Better than most laymen could, better than I could. Uh, Joel Batonio, who played the early years of his career next to Thomas, said, if you watch him play, he never took false steps. He was always in the right position. For me, watching him, he was always quick off the ball. He had great hands and feet. He never stopped working at it. To most people, the streak was the connective tissue to this city and its fans. The work ethic, the reliability, fighting through difficult circumstances because you had a job to do and you were going to deliver no matter what. Joe told me in an interview in 2017 after he was injured, quote, that mentality has made it easy for me to eliminate any of the outside distractions that could easily let you say, well, I shouldn't try that hard because I don't really believe in the direction we're headed. No, he said, you have a job to do no matter what anybody else says. You do your job, end quote. He also admitted in that same interview he had to take four Advil just to stand at the podium each week for his press conferences. That's how much pain he was in. Thomas embraced those connections to the city in his later years and after he retired. He wasn't just a Browns player. He was a Browns fan, eternally optimistic, it seemed, and always sure the turnaround was right around the corner. He became the face of an often faceless organization. He has since admitted the mental toll it took on him, allowing fans to see the human side of one of their heroes. Now, Thomas wasn't born in Cleveland, but he became as much a face of the city, of its struggles, of its pain, of its people's ability to overcome it all and deliver at the highest level as anyone ever has. This is not the usual gets us cliche with Thomas. It's real. And it's hard to imagine anyone looking better representing Cleveland in the Hall of Fame than Joe Thomas. Mary Kay Cabot covered Joe for his entire career in Cleveland. She joins the Orange and Brown Talk podcast now. Mary Kay, how are you today? I'm doing great, Dan. Doing really well. Um, I'm on Radio Row as we speak, and it's always eventful over here. You see a, a bunch of different players. Sometimes you run into some former Browns players. Miles Garrett was actually running around here today, uh, but he was with a, um, you know, he was with a, a, a brand, and so he wasn't really able. He he had everything set up back to back to back, and he really didn't have a a second to stop. But, um, but yeah, it's pretty cool. As you can see, there's a lot of activity going on behind me and, um, it's, you know, it's, it's pretty exciting. It's very crowded here now in Phoenix. Uh, you can feel the energy. There's a lot of buzz and, uh, it's fun to be here. So Mary Kay, you had a chance to talk to Joe last night after the induction. Uh, take us back to that moment. What, what was it like for him, uh, to go through that process and, and what was he like after, after it came, not the induction, I called it the induction, but what was it like after he was announced as a Hall finalist uh, at, the, uh, at the NFL Honors? You know, he, he got very emotional all over again, recounting the story of the knock on the door. And I thought that was, uh, I only had about five minutes to spend with Joe after, you know, he was doing the, you know, he was doing the car wash with different radio and different things like that. And uh, so I had very little time with him, but I thought I used my time to try to just get the description and the feeling of what it felt like when he was able, when he finally found out he got the knock on the door uh, from the great Walter Jones, and uh, it was it was pretty phenomenal to have that conversation with him, and uh, and he actually if if you if you get a chance if our listeners and readers get a chance uh, you know not only do we have a story up on it but 
uh, our great videographer, Dave Anderson, put together a nice video. I took some video with my phone and Joe got emotional while we were talking. And, uh, and so we were able to capture that on video. And it's, I think it's a pretty powerful moment. Uh, he did not think he was going to get emotional when he found out that he made the Hall of Fame. He just thought, you know, yeah, it's just something that is, you know, this great momentous occasion. He did not think that he was going to cry, but he cried. When Walter Jones knocked on his door with the big gold jacket on and said, welcome home, he cried. Joe Thomas, you know, got very, very emotional again. He, you know, he did the same thing talking about it to me. And it was just very cool. It was just very cool to be a part of that. I was honored to be, uh, you know, to be able to cover Joe for all those 11 years and then to help vote him into the Hall of Fame. I mean, that that was pretty cool. So it's it's been a really nice experience to, you know, to watch him go through all of this. I, I think that part of it speaks to just how significant this is. I mean, everyone seemed to kind of know Joe was going to go into the Hall of Fame. I'm sure Joe, Joe knew it was going to happen, probably knew it was going to be this first ballot. Like, you know it's going to happen. But still, the moment it does happen, when it when you catch these guys in that emotional moment and, and you kind of see that knock, and I'm glad they've still kind of kept that. It really does speak to, like, how significant this is to actually make it to Canton and how hard it is. Absolutely, 100%. And then the, the thing that made it so incredibly emotional for Joe Thomas, we've heard him say this numerous times before, that Walter Jones is his idol. So not only is he making it to the pinnacle of his career and that he'll be immortalized in Canton uh, with that bronze bust, but his idol, Walter Jones, knocked on his door, right? I mean, that is so much more powerful than if, you know, than if a Hall of Fame official would have knocked on the door. I mean, it just, the way that they did that, I, I just think that that was absolutely phenomenal. It was the best thing that you could have done uh, for, for Joe Thomas. I, I don't think the tears would have flowed like that if it had been, uh, you know, just a, a regular person. But someone like that that he looked up to, when I was talking to Annie, his wife Annie, about it afterwards, she said, you know, Joe's been talking about Walter Jones since college. You know, they were college sweethearts. And uh, not not Walter and not Walter and Joe. Right, right. Not Annie Walter and Joe. And Joe. <laughs> Annie and Joe. <laughs> Annie that would that would be a story. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. Uh, <laughs> so uh, <laughs> Annie, um, you know, Annie was was talking about how you know she's heard these names since college, and uh, you know, Orlando Pace, Jonathan Ogden. But for Walter Jones to be the one to actually give him, deliver the news and say, welcome home. I mean, it was just overwhelming. It was overwhelming for Joe. And he's such a great guy. Dan, you know that. He's such a great guy that that's what makes this even all the more special for anybody connected with Joe Thomas. Because he's so deserving in every way. I mean, he is the real deal when it comes to the good guy, right? I mean, we've given him the good guy award a number of times. He is the definition of a good guy and the definition of a Hall of Famer. So he's the total package. Then you talk to his wife, Annie, and she's about as beautiful as a human being could possibly be. So he hit the jackpot there, too. He's just got every Joe's got everything a man could ever want. So I don't know what you're allowed to tell us and what you aren't. But 
take us behind the scenes as much as you can. Take us into that room and the process that led to Joe getting this getting this nod. Well, you know, it was on January 17th, and we had to be secretive about the date. We were not allowed to say when this was happening. Um, the whole process is very secretive. It was virtual again. It's been virtual since COVID, but they're hoping that we get back into in-person voting next year. That's the plan. Um, But in terms of this year, it was virtual again. So it's January 17th. It starts early in the morning. Tony was called upon to, um, you know, to be the main presenter for Joe because Tony is still the, uh, you know, the, the actual Cleveland rep. And I'm more of a, a, you know, an at-large rep uh, because you usually only have one per city that's in that room. So I'm more of an at-large rep at this point. Uh, and, you know, until Tony probably decides that if, if at some point he doesn't want to do it anymore, then I would take over as the Cleveland rep. But um, so Tony was the one that was able to be the main presenter of Joe. And you only have five minutes. So you only have five minutes to make this presentation. And I think Tony, he either took most of the five minutes or he took all of the five minutes. Um, and he did a phenomenal job on presenting Joe and extolling all the virtues of Joe, rattling off all his statistics, the 10,363 snaps, the six first-team All-Pros, the 10 straight Pro Bowls, uh, the fact that he only gave up a total of 30 sacks in his entire career, which is really nothing at all, over 11 years, my goodness. Um, He blocked for 20 quarterbacks, 20 starting quarterbacks. He played for six head coaches. So, uh, you know, Tony used all those great numbers associated with Joe Thomas. And then uh, I chimed in, in with some things of my own. I had a quote from Al Saunders, who coached Joe Thomas. Uh, and he's been around so many Hall of Famers in his career, Al Saunders, that I wanted him to, uh, you know, sort of compare Joe. So he had some pretty cool things to say uh, about Joe, just in terms of how he stacks right up there with any other first ballot Hall of Famer that he's been associated with. Uh, and then I asked Joe himself before the selection meeting, if you only had, you know, one or two things that you could say to the voters, what would it be? And, uh, and, and Joe gave me a, a quote from himself where he basically said, you know, I, you know, I would just want to say that for 10,363 snaps, I gave every single thing I had. You know, I came every day uh, and gave it my all for, for those 10,363. That snap streak is very precious to him. It, I mean, it didn't come easy. He had to fight through a lot of pain, knee injuries. He had to do all different kinds of uh, you know, modalities to just be able to get onto the football field some weeks. So it was, uh, it was pretty cool. So, so Tony talked, then I talked, and then his, um, the deliberation on Joe went on for about a total of about 16 minutes, I think it was. And, you know, there wasn't much dissent. I mean, the only question that you can bring up about Joe is, okay, he didn't play for any winning teams. He only had one winning team in his first season. Um, but only one person really brought that up. I think one other person brought up, you know, does he need to be a first ballot Hall of Famer? But most people, you know, I think almost the entire room views Joe as a first ballot Hall of Famer. So I don't think he had too much trouble getting the votes. I think the fact that he didn't play on winning teams makes the snap streak even more impressive. 
Um, because, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, I, I wrote this in my column. I actually did the research from 2008 on. So they went 10 and 6 in 2007. From 2008 on, Joe played in 10 games when the Browns were above 500. Eight of those were in 2014. So this guy was getting out there every single week in teams that were playing out the string in December, the Hugh Jackson years, and and the the last Mike Pettin year. I mean, they never had a chance in those seasons. And Joe was getting out there every single game and refusing to take a week off and refusing to even take a snap off. I think, I mean, first of all, left tackle wins is not a stat. And secondly, I think it almost makes it more impressive that he did this amidst all the losing. Yeah, because uh, as as we mentioned, the losing comes with it upheaval and turmoil and dysfunction and a different quarterback every year or maybe two quarterbacks every year. So he had to learn the tendencies of 20 different starting quarterbacks, had to introduce himself to a quarterback once that he had never met in the huddle. Uh, So all of these things, uh, I think, also contributed to his amazing legacy. And uh, and Phil Dawson, the uh, great former Browns kicker, in a story that I did with him the other day, uh, he made the point that with Joe, you know, he didn't have the luxury of – you know, a sustained running game each week. You know, the Browns were playing from behind so often that it was open season on Joe all the time. And Joe wasn't somebody that you would give the chipping help to. He didn't get the chipping help, right? I mean, he didn't have the tight end or or the running back helping him block. On his side, he was on an island. Doug Deacon always used to say that about Joe that he, he was pretty much on an island and had to do the job himself. If you're going to give someone help, it was going to be someone else. So, um, so yeah, all these things, you know, really add up to just a remarkable, remarkable career for Joe. And it's just, you know, it's just fun to be a part of it. You know, look, I got to cover Joe the last few years in the league. You got to cover him from the start. I mean, just what, what will you remember? What, you, what will you remember from those 11 years uh, about Joe Thomas? There's a lot of things that I'll remember from those 11 years, but one of the most special things from a media standpoint that I remember is just Joe standing at his locker for just, you know, as long as anybody needed him to, to be the face and the voice of the franchise through all that losing. Somebody had to answer for, hey, is this quarterback going to be good? And what about this new coach? Uh, And, you know, or you're into week 14 and you're going nowhere. And Joe had to be the one. Uh, that stood there and tried to explain why we're going to continue to play hard and why we have good culture. And, I mean, it was hard. It was really hard for him uh, to have to do that, to be the one that everybody had to come to for all of the answers all of the time. But he did it. He never never turned his back on anyone. He never said he didn't have time to talk. He had time for everyone. I mean, it could be the the smallest news outlet to the the largest. He didn't differentiate. He was... uh, he was just incredible to deal with from that standpoint. And that's what I will remember more so than anything. What is that experience like? And I know Joe came into the league. You've told this story on, on the pod. I, th- I mean, I think you told it even earlier this week about Joe saying he, he wanted to make the Hall of Fame. Like that was his goal. But even with that in mind, what is it like to cover a guy from the day he comes into the league until the day he leaves and then five years later? And, and you're in that room, too, which makes it even more unique. 
you know, five years later, he actually gets the nod to be a Hall of Famer. What, when you kind of take a step back, and I know you've been at the Super Bowl all week, so you probably haven't had time to even take a step back. But, I mean, if you did that now and took a step back and thought about that, what, what, what does that mean to you to, to get to do that? Well, it's, it's one of the highlights of my career. It, it truly is. And, and when Joe got emotional last night d- during that interview with him, I got emotional as well because I've been there since day one. I've seen the pain. I've seen the tears. He cried after the only game they won in, um, in 2016. Uh, so, you know, he, he's just such an incredibly wonderful human being. And that, you know, it, it has been one of the highlights of, of my career. This, of course, is the first time that I've covered a player and then got to help vote him into the Hall of Fame. I've never done that before. And so, you know, hopefully there will be more. There is a chance that there will be more of those. But, you know, this was the first one for me. And it, it's been an honor. I mean, it truly has been an honor to, uh, you know, to help. Joe get in there. And I'll tell you, I do remember that very day standing in front of him and, you know, asking him, what are your goals and dreams? And he's, you know, said as a rookie at, at rookie minicamp, I, I want to, I'm, I plan to be in the hall of fame. And, uh, you know, he called his shot. That's how I led, led the story. He called his shot standing right there, uh, as a rookie in rookie minicamp who does that. Right. And, um, so that was pretty cool to see him, you know, just follow through and make good on that, on that vow. He absolutely did it, and you know, good for him. I could not possibly be be happier. And then, and also, a cool moment for me was that Matt Starkey, uh, the Browns photographer, just so happened to catch Joe was up on a stage, and um, so after the um, you know once they announced the guy, so afterwards I wa- I walked up to I was going to tell him, you know, hey. I didn't ask anything there because we're supposed to be able to get you, you know, kind of one-on-one. And he leaned over to, to give me a hug. And uh, Matt Starkey captured that on, on his camera. And so that was really cool. It was like, uh, Joe is very grateful to both me and Tony for, you know, helping him get to this point from a Hall of Fame standpoint. And also just to all of us for covering him in his career. He knows that we you know, we're a part of it. We're, we're part of the process for him. And he's grateful. That's why we named him the good guy numerous times, right? Um, but yeah, it was it was an honor and a pleasure on my part to be able to, to see this through from that wide-eyed rookie in 2007 who told us he was going to make the Hall of Fame to the one sitting up on that stage uh, last night now in the Hall of Fame or almost in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, Joe, Joe really did have time for everybody. And he still does. Honestly, that's that's kind of the crazy thing. Like he's past the game and he's doing media stuff of his own now. And he still just has has time for everybody. So um, a really cool moment for him, a cool moment for Browns fans. Um, And anything else that that you want to say about Joe here before I let you go, Mary Kay? I think that it's going to be a really cool moment when the Cleveland Browns, they are going to play in that in that Hall of Fame game. I mean, like, there's basically no question about it. It hasn't really been announced yet, but they'll play in the Hall of Fame game. He was, he's been kidding around that, you know, his teammates are going to be mad at him because they have to play in that extra game, and they've got to show up early and, and be ready to go. So he's kidding around about that. But, um, but that's going to be an amazing weekend. His wife, Annie, was talking about the fact that the fact that it's right there in Ohio, 
down the road from Cleveland, uh, that it's just going to be all the more special. He's not getting inducted into the Hall of Fame, you know, 600 miles away from where he played. It's right down the road. And um, so that that's another cool aspect of this. It just, just has that whole Ohio vibe to it. And I think it is going to be a tremendous, tremendous weekend. Uh, you know, there will be the game down there at Tom Benson Stadium. There will be the induction ceremonies. His teammates, some of them that are on the team that he played with, Miles Garrett, Joel Petonio, some of those guys are, are still around. And, um, and so I, I just think that's going to be a phenomenal weekend. And, uh, and I know that you and I are both going to be excited to be a part of it. And Joe's going to give a great speech. We already know that. Just write it down in, in Sharpie. He's going to give a, an absolutely phenomenal speech when, when he stands up there and, and gets inducted. Uh, okay, Mary Kay, I will let you go from, uh, from Radio Row at the Super Bowl. We're going to take a break here on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, and we're going to wrap things up. Ashley Bastock will share her thoughts on Joe Thomas. Mary Kay, appreciate the time. Sounds great. Thanks. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Welcome back to the Orange or Brown Talk podcast. Now Ashley Bastock shares her thoughts on Joe Thomas making the Hall of Fame. There are not many athletes that make me starstruck anymore. Joe Thomas, officially a first ballot pro football Hall of Famer, is one of the few, though. I'm hardly some grizzled veteran reporter. I've been out of college and employed for eight years. But still, when you talk to athletes every day and tell their stories... You can't get intimidated. Little by little, they become a part of your daily life. You dim their star power out of necessity. But still, there are moments for me that remind me why I wanted to become a sports reporter and why it means so much for me to be a sports reporter in my hometown. I experienced one such moment as the Browns opened training camp back in July. I don't remember the specifics of the day, but since it was training camp, and this was my first full year on the beat, I know I was probably stressed, had gotten too much sun, was probably wondering how on earth I was going to make it through another month of often 12-plus-hour training camp days. But what I do remember about the day is that I looked at my phone and had a new Twitter follower, Joe Thomas. I had to do a double-take to make sure it was THE Joe Thomas. Maybe it was a mistake, and if you're reading or listening to this, and it was, please don't unfollow me, Joe. But once I confirmed it was him, I immediately texted my best friend Haley, who I spent most of my childhood watching the Browns with. She texted back, Joe Thomas, all capital letters, periods after each of his names, only with a little more colorful language between his first and last name. If I were to make a Hall of Fame case for Joe Thomas, it would probably be what my best friend texted me that day. It's why Thomas was inducted as a first ballot Hall of Famer on Thursday. The reason I was as giddy as I would have been in my pre-reporter days when Thomas followed me, and the reason it elicited that specific reaction from my best friend, is because for those of us who don't really have any memories of the Browns pre-1999, Thomas was the one who supplied most of the good memories in our lifetime of following the Browns. 
Of course, just about anyone with two eyes can appreciate Thomas's greatness, no matter how old you were when you started caring about the Browns. Thomas's 10,363 snap streak, which is believed to be the longest by any player in NFL history, was maybe the most constant thing about the Browns from 2007 to 2017. The joke around Cleveland became it would likely be a waste of money to buy the jersey of one of the 20 quarterbacks Thomas blocked for. You'd be much better off buying his number 73 jersey instead. Thomas was voted to 10 Pro Bowls throughout his career and is the only offensive lineman in league history to be named to 10 consecutive Pro Bowls to start a career. He also earned eight All-Pro honors, six of them as a first-team selection, and totaled them despite the Browns being unable to put out a consistent product on the field for most of his tenure. He gave us something to be hopeful about when there wasn't much. He was loyal to Cleveland, even when he was good enough not to be. Thomas being a first ballot Hall of Famer was a no-brainer. Everyone knew this day was coming. It wasn't even a matter of if or even when. It was just a matter of waiting the five years to pass after his retirement. His resume speaks for itself, and it's why his star power has never diminished. Thanks, Ashley. Congratulations again to Joe Thomas for becoming a first ballot Hall of Famer. Uh, Everyone here at Cleveland.com enjoyed covering him, enjoyed watching him. And this is truly a great moment for the Browns, for Joe, for Browns fans everywhere. And I think I speak for everyone when I say we really look forward to seeing Joe getting inducted on August 5th in Canton. For Mary Kay, for Ashley, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody.